0: Welcome to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the media industry from the people who did. I'm Caroline Odom. In this first episode of Season 9, and my first episode as host, I talk with Professor Sue Ellen Christian, a professor of communication with a joint appointment in gender and women's studies at Western Michigan University. After reporting on politics and public health for the Chicago Tribune for 10 years, Professor Christian joined Western Michigan University where she now teaches courses on journalism, multimedia, and media literacy. On this episode, Professor Christian shares ideas from her book, Everyday Media Literacy, an analog guide for your digital life. We discuss why media literacy matters as a subject of study and an applicable skill. And she offers words of encouragement for the next generation of journalists. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu coxinstitute. Additionally, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, this episode of The Lead was recorded over Zoom. So we thank you in advance for your patience with audio imperfections as we adapt and continue to learn. Now, here's The Lead. Good morning, Professor Christian. Thank you so much for joining me over Zoom this morning for our first episode of season nine. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for inviting me. So I just wanna go ahead and jump right in because I feel like we have a lot of great conversation to cover. In your book, Everyday Media Literacy, which is a book being studied in some of Grady's journalism classes, You define media literacy as the ability to access, analyze, evaluate, create, and act using all forms of communication. So I ask, why write a book on media literacy and why choose to teach on this topic? One of them is that people in the US spend an average of
1: 451 minutes a day uh, on digital media, 229 on television. So most households have about five digital devices and this explosion of devices, coupled with the explosion of channels and avenues for media and information means that we need help. We need help navigating and managing this new way of communicating and interacting with content. Humans are built to communicate. We're social creatures social media is this dopamine fix that is really hard to resist and those just checks that we do to see if someone responded to our tweet or liked our post or reached out to us that's a compulsive behavior that we need help identifying and managing and writing this book was my way of helping in the most sincere way to equip people of all ages not just my students at western michigan university but in all stages of life with a framework for thinking about media and how to use it intentionally and to their advantage instead of being used by media. I did a lot of research and reading to prepare to write the book. And I purposely tried not to deluge the reader with all sorts of theories and scholarly jargon. I wanted it to be a highly accessible and usable book for everyone.
0: So how did your career as a reporter, your 10 years with the Chicago Tribune covering politics, government, and public health, how did that experience inform your work in media literacy?
1: Reporters are built to verify and to question and to interrogate people and places and ideas. And really good journalists also interrogate their own perceptions and interpretations. And this kind of thinking and reflection goes hand in hand with media literacy. I didn't know it at the time I was a journalist, but certainly media literacy and journalism complement and strengthen and advance one another. They both share this mindset of curiosity and questioning and transparency. Who is saying this and why? Those are two questions that both disciplines ask routinely. I began teaching media literacy. I created the course at WMU and then followed a couple of years later with my book in part because I saw that what I did naturally because of my background as a journalist was not something that my journalism students were inclined to do. And there are lots of, or any of my students, there's lots of reasons for that, but certainly one is that I had the benefit of the skills and perspective as a journalist to question everything and everyone. And I wanted to support the people who were coming through my classroom to develop that same kind of healthy skepticism, to wonder about why a media personality or power broker might be manipulating me. What was the purpose of their messaging? Um, I feel like there are so many parallels between journalism and media literacy in the sense of questioning The originator of the message? What's being done to get the media's attention? Is this scripted for the six o'clock television news? What's being done to get the audience's attention? And then who's missing from this dialogue, from this narrative or this news story? Who's going to benefit from the news story being told? All of those are media literacy questions we ask.
0: So within the field of journalism, Do you think the news media has a responsibility to promote media literacy or in some way, educate its listeners on what media literacy is and why it matters?
1: News outlets have really grown and stepped up to the plate on fact checking and verification. By promoting accuracy and truth, the news media are in part promoting media literacy um every time the news media fact checks itself it's it's displaying media literacy the news media promotes media literacy when it corrects its own mistakes um the news media promotes media literacy by having an even hand when it comes to calling out anyone from any ideology who seeks to manipulate the news consumer The news media more than ever should be seen as an ally in the fight against misinformation and not an accomplice to misinformation, which is what some politicians want. One of the many skills that journalists are doing regularly now because of social media and because so many news tips come from social media is to verify visual information. Is this photo or video original? Who captured it? Where and when was it captured? Why was it captured? So Yes, news, news reporters should definitely be uh, part and parcel of the verification of information and that mindset helps them to do that.
0: I wanna take this conversation about media literacy and journalism and apply it to some of the things that are currently happening in our world. In recent months, we've faced a pandemic. Um, we're in the middle of a very divisive election season and we continue to see a lot of socio-political unrest. And on top of that, we are adjusting to a world that is more virtual than ever. So how has the need for media literacy changed or transformed in this climate?
1: Mm, Great question, and a really far-reaching one. One aspect I'd like to really focus on is the public health uh, and reporting on the pandemic. We're seeing the need for accuracy in messaging, for transparency in who's creating the message, and knowledge about who's spreading it, and what techniques are being used to manipulate audiences into believing the message. I used to actually cover public health, and public health experts will tell you that a key part of the public in public health is accurate, timely, and consistent information. We haven't received that in the U.S. People need to do their own work to be informed. Again, in steps media literacy, seeking out reputable sources, comparing and contrasting sources to look for the prevailing point of view that is verified and consistent. And I think journalists can really help lift up accurate information. That's one example through the pandemic, the divisive election. We have great fact checking sites right now that That are equal opportunity players when it comes to who they're checking. And always those journalistic hallmarks of verification. How do you know what you know? Can you prove it? Where's the evidence? When we see that in a news outlet, we know we can trust it. And media literacy asks us again and again to do the same thing to acknowledge that media messages are constructed, they're constructed with a purpose to either gain profit or power or sometimes in our information society it's just to create chaos to make us question what's real what's true what's fact what's not
0: continuing with looking at the current climate people are very divided right now and in a ted talk that you delivered at tedx kalamazoo you discussed using media, stories, and information to cross what you called life's fault lines. And one quote that I saved from that talk that I really, really liked was, if we don't cross the fault lines, we won't know what's missing from our knowledge of the world. And a free and independent society depends on informed decisions. So what role does media literacy play in crossing these fault lines?
1: Thanks for that question. Um, I like to back up and just first give the honor to the right, late Robert C. Maynard, who was a former editor of the Oakland Tribune in California. He was the first African-American proprietor of a U.S. daily newspaper, and he conceived of the idea behind the fault lines. There was an earthquake in 1989 in California, and it inspired Maynard to think about Geographical fault lines and social fault lines in much the same way, that they divide us, that they wreck our social cohesion. And social fault lines that the Maynard Institute has articulated as being particularly divisive in our society are class, income, gender or sexual orientation, identity, generation, geography, and race, ethnicity. Certainly there are other powerful fault lines like political ideology, perhaps education, the the fault lines invite journalists to move beyond the conflict model and think about events beyond their newsworthiness solely because they're trending on social media. Uh, Jean Marie Brown at Texas Christian University and a former news editor articulated this idea really well, how the fault lines can help us move beyond that conflict framework. So media literacy can help journalists ask who's missing from the narrative, which is what the fault lines ask us to think about in any message. Um, How are different people experiencing this message differently from me? What values or points of view or perspectives are, are omitted and included in the message? And so often in our society, What we have are white points of view from a middle class point of view, college educated point of view. It's a very, very um, specific point of view that is then articulated as uh, mainstream and it is not. We are missing whole swaths of a society. So by identifying as a journalist, my own cognitive biases, my own distorted ways of thinking because of who I am, It can help me better control how I tell a story. It can really prompt me to think about who aren't I talking to? Or whose version of this am I accepting? And why should I accept that version? The industry has to keep developing and adding um, not only um, to its staffs, but to its ways of thinking about who, what does an inclusive narrative look like? And how do we get there?
0: So journalism students tend to have a greater media literacy than their peers. Hopefully we do. Um, But what advice would you offer to journalism students when it comes to media literacy? Um, What are some of the challenges that maybe my generation has when it comes to media literacy and how can we really dive into this topic?
1: First of all, to any journalism student today, I say, bravo, you picked an amazing field that's in a huge time of transition and instead of being scared of that uh jump in and help affect the change needed to create relevant and sustainable news outlets of all shapes and sizes your generation is a completely different way of thinking because of your digital upbringing so my advice to journalism students is to believe in the power of the story to win the day. If you can tell a good story and undergird that story with verification and primary documents, that is a powerful set of skills. I also think that journalism students can dive into the topic beyond the classroom by promoting in their actual news content, in their news audience, the skills and attitude of media literacy in part, ironically, by turning media literacy on your own journalism. See if it meets the critical analysis that you would give it as a news consumer. Are you including all those, the variety of values and points of view that this story merits? Are you raising up voices of not just traditional newsmakers, but the people who are non-traditional newsmakers, or the people affected by those newsmakers' decisions? Who's impacted by the story, and are you telling that story instead of sort of that easy one off? Oh, you know, lawmakers voted to do this, the city commission voted to do this. Um, instead, turn it the other way around. What is the impact of that tra- traditional newsmaker decision on people who don't have um, a mouthpiece to tell that story? That's very much media literacy perspective, and it's also just great journalism. Again, I see these two as being so complementary to one another from the story and how different audiences might receive your story differently. The way they receive our news coverage versus the way we think it's going to be received, there's a real fault line there. There's a real divide. And media literacy as a mindset supports and advances that kind of healthy interrogation and also inclusive narrative in journalism. So I say to journalism students, go forth with humility and equipped with the skills to know the difference between fact and belief and champion fact.
0: Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? I want people to think before they click. I want
1: people to value their own attention that is a commodity that is being monetized. So hoard it, Meet out your attention in careful ways and only to the sources and to the outlets and um, to the social media sites that you think deserve it. So have a high regard for your own intellect and where you put your eyeballs and your likes and your clicks and be intentional about it.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Professor Christian. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Lead, featuring Professor Sue Ellen Christian. I'm your host, Caroline Odom. This episode was produced with guidance from Charlotte Norsworthy, executive producer of The Lead. To hear from more interesting media leaders, subscribe to The Lead on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at The Lead Podcast. Until next time.